Hi, welcome back to Legal Cut Pro, the Canadian entertainment law podcast. My name is Greg Pang, and today we are talking all about the virtual commissioning of affidavits during COVID-19. But first, let's me give a shout out to our sponsor. This episode is supported by our friends at the Canadian Film Centre. The Canadian Film Centre, or the CFC, is a leading not-for-profit cultural organization for the development and advancement of Canadian creative and entrepreneurial talent in the screen-based industries. Visit cfccreates.com for more information at cfccreates.com. And also a special thanks to our editor, Jane Toogood, who you can find on Instagram at jj underscore Toogood. Thank you, Jane, for all the continuing great work that you are doing for this podcast. As I mentioned on this podcast today, we are talking about the virtual commissioning of affidavits. And as a special guest today, I am honored to have Avnish Nanda on the podcast. Avnish is a litigator who practices law in Alberta and British Columbia. He is also part of Everyone's Canada, an advocacy group for multiculturalism, pluralism, and immigration in Canada. Avnish, welcome. Thanks for having me, Gregory. I really appreciate being on. And I have to say, I really enjoy your uh, social media posts, I think <laughs> mainly on Twitter, uh, about on the topic of multiculturalism, pluralism, and immigration. So thank you for doing that. I think you do a real service for, oh, I hate using the term, but you know, like persons of color, um, raising some of these issues. So thank you for doing that. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. The topic of this podcast today is not about that. It's about the virtual commissioning of Davids. And I want to have you on, as I let you know, before we start recording, because you have a couple of very interesting stories about commis- virtually commissioning affidavits during this pandemic. But before we get to that, what I'd like to talk about is w- what is an affidavit anyway? And then just very briefly, what's the current state of the law pre-pandemic? Or, okay, I just contradict myself. What was the state of the law pre-pandemic regarding the physical presence requirement for to swear or affirm an affidavit? And then finally, I want to talk about getting to your stories and the changes and some of them temporary, maybe hopefully permanent, more permanent than not, that allow for virtual commissioning of affidavits. But firstly, what's an affidavit? Avnish, uh, uh, like in, in just in a quick sentence, and I know I'm surprising you a little bit with this question, but what is what's an affidavit? An affidavit is a is a sworn statement that is effectively evidence. That it's your statement under oath. Um, most people see on TV where someone takes a stand in a court proceeding, and uh, you know, in front of a judge, they're they're examined and cross examined. Essentially, what a person's evidence is on the stand is what's in an affidavit. It's just an easier way to get that evidence rather than, you know, booking a courtroom, having people come together and things of that nature. That's right. So, uh, and in my line of work in the film and television business, affidavits are often used to swear, confirm, or swear to certain facts, uh, such as in contracts, affidavits verifying corporate authority, making sure that the person signing that contract on behalf of that corporation is the authorized person to do so. Affidavits of execution, where you have witnesses that they have to swear or affirm that they actually saw that person sign that document. Uh, Guarantor certificates that are required often by banks and other financial institutions in in regards of loans uh, to make a 
personal guarantee effective here in Alberta, and statutory declarations, uh, which are similar to affidavits, uh, that are required sometimes by broadcasters to attest to certain facts. What are some of the areas in which affidavits come up in your practice? In my practice, I often see the same documents as yourself, but it's when parties are fighting each other over them. Or um, if uh, parties um, are in court and want to bring evidence, but they're isn't time or resources to have a trial or, or, you know, set this down in front of a judge. We do use affidavits to kind of bypass, bypass that process, make things more efficient. The affidavits are essential, like you said, Gregory, in any kind of business transaction, commercial transaction, from personal guarantees to um, corporate uh, signing authority to verify that you can act on behalf of a corporation. Um, they're just a foundational part of our legal system and the way businesses are conducted in Canada. Exactly. And part of that foundation and part of the requirement under law and generally in practice that's been accepted is that these affidavits have to be sworn or affirmed in person. And for example, in our in our practice in, in Alberta, that that is generally the case. And I think it's fairly uniform across Canada. Under our repealed previously repealed Commissioner for Oaths Act, there was a validity statement that went right to the heart of this. And I'll just read it here. It was in section 10. Is that an oath, affidavit, declaration, or affirmation taken or made outside Alberta pursuant to section 789 is valid and effectual and of the like force and effect to all intents and purposes as if it were had been administered, taken, sworn, made, or affirmed before a commissioner for taking affidavits. The key here is before a commissioner for taking affidavits. So there is not a similar validity statement in the legislation that replaced that one. And that legislation would be the Notaries and Commissioners Act in Alberta. But what I thought interesting, and when I was looking at other jurisdictions in Ontario, and maybe this is the case in other provinces in Canada as well, is that there in Ontario's Commissioners for Taking Affidavits Act their language is every oath and declaration shall be taken by the deponent in the presence of a commissioner, notary public, justice of the peace, et cetera, et cetera. And in the presence of has been universally, at least pre-pandemic, interpreted as it's a little bit ambiguous, but okay, we think this is in the physical presence. But that has been amended and has not, these amendments haven't gone to force, but they have two different subsections to that now. The first one is, Every oath and declaration shall be taken by the deponent or declaration in the physical presence of the commissioner, et cetera, et cetera. And then they have 9 sub 2. Despite subsection 1, if the regulations made under this act so provide and the conditions set out by regulations are met, an oath or affidavit may be taken by the deponent or declarant in accordance with the regulations without being in the physical presence of a commissioner. I found that very interesting. We don't have that kind of amendments coming to our legislation in Alberta. But since the pandemic hit, because of safety reasons, of course, health and safety reasons, there have been several, uh, I suppose, stopgap measures to help protect the health and safety of the parties involved. Because normally you have to, of course, be in person. There are the, in Alberta, there's the Alberta Court of Queen's Bench procedures for the virtual commissioning of Davids for the purpose of filing them as evidence during certain types of proceedings, in certain types of proceedings. And there have been ministerial orders by the Department of Justice of Alberta that is temporarily overriding some of the legislative requirements where 
it, it requires, it's generally interpreted, uh, understood that you have to be in the presence of and allowing for the virtual commissioning of affidavits. And Avnish, you have a very interesting story. And this is reason, the main reason why I want to get in, in touch with you, because very early in the pandemic, maybe it was in March sometime, you sent out a string of tweets about how you c- convinced a master in chambers on consent of counsel, opposing counsel, to accept a virtually commissioned affidavit. Can you uh, tell us about that story of yours? For sure. So this one actually happened uh, before the pandemic. And oh, it did? I had a, uh, oh yeah, and I had the I've done it about, uh, about maybe four or five times now where, where is it? we have a situation where we need an affidavit in because uh, there's a routine matter before the court. And rather than have my client um, who maybe, you know, in one case, he was in Cuba and he was kind of off the beaten trail and he was had difficult um, connecting over internet to communicate with me, let alone finding a notary public in um, Cuba to commission the affidavit and then courier to me in Edmonton. Uh, it was just going to take a, a longer process than what we needed the affidavit for um, in terms of time period as well as the significance of it. So I managed to have uh, my opposing counsel agree that I could do it uh, via, I believe it was uh, FaceTime or WhatsApp video, and that I could uh, file not an original. So I swore over one of those video messaging teleconferencing systems. I then had my client take a picture of it and and send that to me, the last page where, that he signed. And then I compiled it all together and filed it uh, or appeared before a master and explained the situation, said that this is efficient, this will save resources of the parties as well as the court. And the court remarked that, yeah, this is uh, efficient. You know, I had crossed my T's, dotted my I's, I had gotten consent from opposing counsel, and that, th- that you know, the system should uh, work in this way when it's so clear that not allowing this would cause a delay and additional resources for no particular reason. Um, and I've done it subsequent to that, and it's never been really an issue. I've sworn affidavits through telephone, for instance, um, when a client of mine is in prison, and it's, it's almost impossible to visit them because they're in a different jurisdiction. At least in Edmonton with some masters, and you know, if you engage in the proper processes, they're willing to do this. Uh, when the pandemic hit, particularly outside of Edmonton, Council were in a panic because um, they were unable to get their affidavits in and the court was unrelenting and there was no real guidance on what to do in these cases. So I, I had friends of mine in Ontario who, um, who are lawyers and were seeking guidance on this, remembered that I had done this you know, a year ago and then uh, asked me to kind of comment on it, put up the decision so they could rely upon it because that's one thing too. A lot of courts don't want to be the first <laughs> to do mm-hmm. something uh, different. So they want to rely on what other jurisdictions are doing. So they, my understanding is that you know some people relied upon those decisions I had to kind of usher in changes in their provinces. And that's fantastic. So you're in many ways a, a pioneer of this kind of virtual commissioning of, of affidavits, at least in, in here in Alberta, because most of the, I guess most lawyers I know, they'll just say, okay, we can't do this uh, because we're not in person. And um, they'll just accept that without essentially without question but you've you found ways to do this and of course you're not just doing it like cowboy uh you're get you're you know with on like you mentioned uh, on consent of counsel with uh, uh approval or order of the master to be able to do this and you've been able to successfully do this so that's fantastic thank you and it, it, it honestly came out of necessity but um i think that this is the way that things should be going because you know some of our ways in law are quite antiqu- antiqu- well, quite old, <laughs> and uh, 
they don't uh, reflect the current realities of you know how people live and what the expectation of the public is. Exactly. And I mentioned the Court of Queen's Bench procedures. Actually, before we get to the Court of Queen's Bench procedures, we mentioned a term that some of our listeners might not be familiar with, a master. Uh, how can we easily explain who is a master? They're not a judge, but they're a master. No. Uh, they, it's like a, a magistrate or like a lower level decision maker in um, traditionally, that's what they've been. They've been kind of under a master, or sorry, under a justice or a judge, but important in making a lot of procedural decisions in a lawsuit. But as time has gone on, they've taken on more of a burden. Mm -hmm. Um, So they decide significant issues, but, uh, you know, they're they're more, I guess, responsive to uh, people in the legal system, generally civil matters. But the distinction is increasingly getting blurry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think right as of right now, there's only two or three different types of uh, legal matters that a master can't hear. One big one is that a master cannot hear a trial. They can't hear evidence where someone is right. um, cross-examined under oath, but everything else essentially they can do. And in uh, injunctions as well, is that correct? That uh, master in chambers, the, they can't order injunctive relief? That's one thing. In some respects, yes, but I've seen them to do injunctions, for instance, on residential tenancy matters where oh, they okay. kind of, yeah, but, but, but they, know, they say all the time that they can't do injunctions when it's too complicated, but I've seen them <laughs> order them off the cuff Various times. Huh. So. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, we will not call those masters out. Uh, moving on to the, the QB procedures, Court of Queen's Bench procedures. Now, uh, off pod, you were telling me you had some frustrations in, uh, you litigate. Um, I, I'm not a litigator, but you've had some frustrations in filing these virtually commissioned affidavits uh, in accordance with this big list of procedures set out by the Court of Queen's Bench, which I'll, which I'll put a link to in the show notes here. But can you just uh, share uh, uh, maybe a, a story or two about uh, those frustrations? No, for sure. Like, at least in Edmonton, we've had a practice where we've been doing this. Like, I've done it five or six times now um, where parties can't be physically before each other and they're swearing affidavit in a way that protects the kind of sanctity of the process or the seriousness of the process and it just works for all parties and rather than just kind of work off of what was happening within the courts it appears as if some decision makers i don't know if they're members of the judiciary or or the bar um, who may not have engaged in this um, seem to have adopted what was um, put in place in other provinces and this uh, formulaic approach to this 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 formalist approach to it sorry where you know, when I did it, I would be clear that this affidavit was sworn over a video teleconference system with people in different jurisdictions or uh, different areas. And I would kind of put that in, in the preamble, kind of, it's called Jurat, yep. as, uh, uh, where, where people sign. And then I would put it like right up front, that one of the first uh, things in the affidavit is acknowledging that, because I think it's important at the outset some people know. And I've had affidavits bounced or rejected by the court. Uh, under the new approach, because instead of being at the uh, at the bottom, which what the rules specify, I did it at the top, indicating this it, it was sworn in a particular way. And then there's a requirement that this affidavit, the original, be filed. They want they can only file the affidavit when the original signed by the other party at a different place, as well as the one that was uh, uh, kind of copied and emailed to you from that client from the other place uh, are together. So basically, you have the original of their. Uh, their uh, version and you have your original but you know in the midst of a pandemic 
you know, particularly the height of it, like I may have to wait uh, like 10 days mm -hmm. to ensure the document given by my client um, doesn't contain anything that could make somebody sick out of the court or my office. So <laughs> I didn't think it made any sense. It was as if courts were just um, trying to be safe and following what other jurisdictions are doing rather than looking at what's effective and practical. And I know for a fact that a lot of lawyers have been forced to employ this approach uh, and get, you know, versions of the client's affidavits that they signed um, without, you know, adequately ensuring that what was signed and the documents handled, you know, were safe, that enough time had passed because your affidavit will get in, you won't be able to rely on that evidence in court without this process occurring. And time is of the essence for a lot of people. Uh, instead, I think what should have been done is that we should have been allowed to get fiats in cases where you're not filing the original out of concern and that you could um, tell the court that I will, I, will, I will file this as soon as we're able to. Yeah, no, no, and I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, the uh, I have tried to follow those procedures uh, set out by the Court of Queens Mensgr, and they they are quite onerous. And uh, I can't help but think that there there must be a better way of doing this. Um, and listening to you and looking at what you've done, I, I think that uh, there there is a better way <laughs> of doing this rather than uh, the, the procedure set out by, uh, by the Court of Queen's bench. Now, one thing that I just want to just briefly discuss is, I, as I mentioned in Alberta, we have, of course, the, the QB procedures for the filing of evidence in certain pr proceedings. I think those are family and civil proceedings. And we have these ministerial orders, but those ministerial orders specifically are specifically in respect of certain legislation that overrides that requirement of in the presence of or before a commissioner of oath saying that you can do it virtually as long as you uh, comply with these these conditions in Ontario um, and I hate I hate saying that in a way because I get I get made fun of it because I lived in Ontario a long time and then my my Alberta colleagues here just like oh yeah in Ontario saying in Ontario again Greg why do we have to follow what's in Ontario but their law society has uh, issued a, a statement uh, and I'm not, not sure uh, what force of law this has saying that they will treat all affidavits all affidavits under um, commission during the pandemic uh, will be treated as not re being required to be uh, before the in the physical presence of the commissioner for taking affidavits. Now, we don't have that general statement in Alberta. Outside of those ministerial orders, Quarters Queen's Bench, how about something like, and we mentioned it before, an affidavit verifying corporate authority? Can that be virtually commissioned and can that still hold the force of law if later the party who is relying on that has to use that evidence, file that evidence in some kind of proceeding? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that, uh, Avnish? No, I think I think it would be, and I, I just think that in order for it to be kind of admissible, I think there has to be a couple of things where, uh, like like the the affidavit of corporate signing authority has to be revised to reflect what is actually happening, mm -hmm. um, and then I would, in addition to that, maybe require some sort of written confirmation if if it's a transaction from the other lawyer that this is happening in this way. And that you can rely on the letter as kind of an acknowledgement of that this is an accurate reflection. The affidavit is an accurate reflection of what is transpiring. Some people will be a bit more cautious, but I, I just think that if you have these safeguards in place, in, where in case something goes wrong, it's it's clear that there was an acknowledgement and acceptance of this type of approach. I think it's going to be hard for someone to say, well, actually, even though I did, um, I don't want to be subject to this.
Mm-hmm. No, and that makes a lot of sense. Now, final question, final topic is, uh, do you think, you know, personally, do you think that some of these, some of the, I guess the innovation uh, and uh, that you've uh, proceeded on in certain proceedings before a master in chambers, but those are all case by case where you have to still get consensus counsel or get a master uh, order to be able to accept the, uh, an affidavit that's not commissioned in the physical presence of the commissioner of oath for oaths. Do you think that this should be more permanent, you know, in terms of virtual commissioning of affidavits? I think so. I, I think that society has changed. Uh, the public's needs have changed. And we need to do a better job of catching up. Uh, our procedures and practices are are old. You know, they're not <laughs> like how people live, how people transact, how people uh, do anything. And uh, there's a big uh, shift happening right now, brought up by COVID, and it needs to be uh, only continued and extended. I 100% agree. Avnish, where can people find you? Online, on social webs? Yeah, well, I have uh, my law firm, nandalaw.ca. Mm-hmm. Or you can also go on Twitter and it's Avnish Nanda. Uh, I won't spell that for you, but uh, if Greg, you can put that on the... Yep, the, of course. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you, Avnish. And stay safe and keep doing what you do. Uh, again, really appreciate everything you do, uh, whether it's in the, the practice of law or the, uh, the other organization that uh, you, you are a part of. So thank you again. And thank you for taking your time to be my guest on this podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. Legal Cup Pro has been produced by Greg Pang and Michelle Molyneux. Excerpts of Just Say Go, Dr. Octavo Mendicity, mixed courtesy of Dr. Octavo and Michelle Molyneux. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated on it is to be construed as legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts of Legal Cup Pro and any guests are their own and do not represent the opinions of any organization or other person unless otherwise stated. Intro sound clip film projector countdown has been truncated from its original form and is copyright 2013 Ivan Gabovich used under Creative Commons BY3 license. Outro sound clip film projector reel runs out by Stefan021 is used under Creative Commons CC01.0 license. This podcast is copyright of Red Frame Law and is licensed to you under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial CC BYNC 4.0 license. For details of that license, visit creativecommons.org.